Hey, welcome to episode 63 of the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. This episode is the highly anticipated part two and the conclusion of my chat with Australian drumming great Gordon Ripmeister. Um, if you haven't heard part one, well, you can go back and check that out. Um, now, before we get into it, please listen to this short service announcement from the Gig Life Podcast. As I've always said, the Gig Life Podcast is free to you. It always has been and it always will be free for you to access the interviews and the related content at any time. But like anything else these days, the Gig Life Podcast costs money to produce. Websites, podcast hosting subscriptions, travel costs to visit the guests for interviews, Wi-Fi and data costs, production equipment upgrades, as well as the time, of course. Now, if you see the value in the Gig Life Podcast, if you would like to help, and of course, if you're able to, you can now donate. I have set up a secure link where you can donate to the Gig Life Podcast. You can give as little or as much as you like. It's not a recurring payment thing. It's not a Patreon-type setup where you pay to continue to, to receive the content. It's completely voluntary. If you choose to give nothing, that's perfectly fine. You will still be able to listen to the podcast as you have to this point, and you will continue to receive the new episodes as they become available, just like everybody else. Nothing will change. But whatever you do give will be very much appreciated, and also know that you'll be helping me to bring you and everybody else all these great interviews. The secure donate link is in the show notes of this episode or on the website, thegigglifepodcast.com. As always, you can contact me anytime via the website. There's a contact uh, section on the website there, or you can hit me up on Facebook or Instagram, and the handle there is at the Gig Life Podcast, um, or you can hit me up on Twitter at the Gig Life Pod, um, or you can email me the Gig Life Podcast at gmail.com. Well, let's talk about, um, you've come back from the jazz side of thing. You know, you're back into that scene, you, you're, um, um, you're doing sessions, you still still got your foot in the jazz thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the jazz thing never really stopped. It, it never stopped. Yeah. yeah. It, which yep. is, I mean, I, you know, although I, I started getting back, yeah, so I, I, you know, I was doing more, um, like doing a few, um, I guess, pop gigs and stuff like and, and yeah as i said kept working with karen Mitchell and aaron o'clark yeah uh but I, you know touring with don burrows but um but i started uh oh in 1992 i got the gig with margaret ehrlich um take hamish put me up for it you know right. like so, took over from hamo um which is, you know, how things happen. It's like, yeah, it's like, uh, and and Hamo was he, he moved on to Marsha Hines' band, <laughs> um, which I later followed him into that too. Yep. But um, I uh, yeah got the gig with Margaret and tour with her for '92, um, and she had the 
the Chameleon Dreams record. Right. Was this uh, with Mark on bass? Yeah. Uh, no, no, not in the first band. Right. No, that was the later later period. So right, the, okay. the band I was in was Rebecca Johnson and Mike Kahn. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, oh, I can't really, It's all a bit confusing. No, I think it was Danny DaCosta and Mary as a party. Mm-hmm. Or was that Marsha? <laughs> no, no, it was Danny, Danny and Mary, Mike Kahn and Rebecca Johnson and Andrew O. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was Dennis Mason first and then Andrew O. You know Dennis? No. Yeah, he's a Kiwi guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you all know each other. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, then Andrew O joined the band. And... Um, so I toured with Margaret, and that was that was a great gig for me. You know, I got yep. got to sort of see how the the kind. Of, she was a big artist at the time. Yeah, um, and I played on her next record, but that flopped. You know, not not the whole thing. I, I did a couple of tracks, but um, it it flopped. You know, but or it didn't flop, but it didn't do as well as the yep. first two had. Right. Um, but she was great, and she, you know, and that was that was a, a good time, and um, again, you know, pretty good conditions we were traveling everywhere and mm-hmm. um so i remember get, getting this call to do um monica and the moochers and i'm playing uh, the, the at least sort of eight of the ten piece band was all depths and alex hewitson was on base but i was not interested in in chopping out or I just, I just was focused on the music. I suppose I was, you know, it was one of the times I was putting the music first. Anyway, we, we, we played this shuffle and it got to this incredible place. And it wasn't just me. Like, I was thinking, wow, like, you know, it sort of dawned on me, man, this, this is feeling good, you know. And it wasn't just me. I looked up at Alex and he looked at me and went, whoa. Like, it was like really something magical was kind yeah, of happening, right. you know. And it was this great, great feeling. And... From that moment on, I kind of resolved thinking if I could if I could feel like that when I play every time I play, mm. if I could aspire to feel like that and and achieve that, that's enough. I don't have to be Buddy Rich. I don't have to be David Jones for that matter. Yeah, right. You know, yep. um, you know what I mean. Like yeah. um, like it was such a Epiphany, really? Wasn't yeah, it? really, yeah. absolutely. And like it was like like that was enough of a thing to um, try to attain, you know. Mm. And and so that kind of became the thing I did. And I went, I went, you know, I wouldn't say overnight, like it happened, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But but it was it was it was, an, it was what I you know gravitated to. And so, what did you do to to start putting yourself in that? Well, I, I I edited a lot of what I was playing, okay. you know, um, or, or a lot of what I would play. I um, the effect of something simple, like you can play something simple and it can have much more effect than playing something complex. Um, and that's not to say that playing something complex is is is, is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, you know, Andy's over in Germany now, Andy Gander. And he sent, he sends me things from time to time. He's doing. I'm not on Facebook, or, but I so I know he posts this stuff on Instagram, and Facebook. But I'm not any of that. But he, so he sent he sent me this thing the other day, and it's 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 off the scale, <laughs> you know, high level mm. killing like polyrhythmic. Mm. Um, have, have you checked any of that yeah. out? Like, I mean, it's it's ridiculous, you know. But what 
for me, what what makes it so ridiculous is just how beautiful it feels. Like you know, and the touch, the touch and the groove, um, and the you know the sound concept and the and the way he blends the sounds. It's so sweet. Like he's got mm. such a sweet spot. He puts everything, mm. and that's what the, you know. That's what's great. So it's a, I'm not like it's not that things have to be simple because that's that ain't simple. You know what he's doing, mm. um, but. It's it's that it has to have that thing, the, that that beauty about it. You know, that's what that's what Gad does. That's what Buddy does. That's what Vinny does. It's what Dave Weckl does. Right. Um, they're all playing. It's it's musical. It's yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Understand. like it's coming from that. Even though it might be choppy, you know, but it's what it's. Richie Hayward's got it. Charlie Watts has got it. Um, you know, James Gadson's got it. Russ Kunkel's got it. Mm. Um, Mickey Curry's got it. You know, everyone's got it. Who's good? You know, like, I know but that's it's yeah. it's just that that's what all the great guys have. They had the 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 pocket. Doesn't matter, doesn't actually matter what they're playing. It's the yeah, yeah, it's the intent and the yeah. and the pocket. You know. So that's what you aspired that, to. That's, that's that's the lesson I I sort of learned that day, and and mm. and, and and what I yeah I really want to achieve. You know, mm. I mean I. I like a good drum solo as much as the next next person, but yeah, you know, unless it's doing that, it's not a good drum solo. You know, like, like you know, um, yeah, that's for me. Yeah, mm. but yeah. So anyway, so that was that was a kind of yeah epiphany moment for me that mm. I, like, kind of changed my attitude. But and yeah, so by this time I was sort of I can't remember when that was. It's probably might have been like as early as nineteen ninety. You know, right. Um, but yeah, I, I think my psyche, like my, my mental state before that, I must have had enough of a thread of a groove to, to work, you know, cause I was, I was getting work. Yeah. But I can tell you my, my internal mental thing was going, you know, okay, what cool thing can I play now? You know, and what, what, what can I follow that with at all? So that was the battle, eh? Trying, eh? trying to keep it in. Well, that was yeah. Well, that was the um, <laughs> that was the you know the, the the dark side talking. Really, yeah, the dark side. <laughs> the, you know, um, when uh, James Taylor came out and with Steve Gadd one time, um, Bill Risby tells the story. Hamish Hamish Stewart um, said to him, they saw each other in after the gig, and Hamish said to him, "That's what you get if you use your technique for good and not evil." He said, <laughs> 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 "You know, nice, yeah." Oh man, so yeah, um, that you know that was a great sort of eye opener and um, yeah. and change of direction for me. So right. you know, but like I, I mean, it, it's not as black and white as all that. And I'm kind yeah. of running myself down saying, you know, I was thinking, well, how can I show? How can I do this? Because I, you know, as I say, like I always like John Watson and and Mark Meyer and Hamo, um, you know, I really dug that. I really dug those guys playing pocket, you know, and and um, so you know I always had that in there somewhere, but it mightn't have been front and center at, in those early days, you know. Yeah. So, but I was get it, it was there enough to get some gigs. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you cool. know. That's but cool. you know, by the time I was touring with um, Margaret Ehrlich, um, you know, 
I, I guess I was on that path, you know, sort yeah. of, you know. And, you know, and I have to say, the other thing that happened, um, you know, like I had, you had Kerry on a couple of times. I really enjoyed hearing Kerr's. Mm. You know, he came back to Sydney and, I mean, I, I met Kerr's in Brisbane and it was great. You know, we had a... He, I think... Um, made us all more honest. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, like he he brought it back. You know. Um, yep. Yeah, I was certain, certainly me. You, you know, because I I was heading down this sort of fusiony path, and I think I think one of the things Kez did was validate um, simple. I don't mean that, like like uh, validate pop music credibility more like in a way yep. you know because uh, I think and this this happened like I see it in like a lot of the jazz guys will sort of not so much these days but certainly then there was a sense that you know we're we're a bit above all that rock and roll you know. Right. <laughs> And and yet I think you know you and and when you get the the guys who play the pop music you know you get a Rex go and it's just all class you know yeah. like um, he's as fine as any jazz musician you know what I mean like like it's easy to sort of go the the jazz guys are cleverer or <laughs> I don't know high, high artistically or uh, there's it's it's easy to fall in that trap and it, yep. and and I think the thing one of the things that you know when Kez was around it made us it was so high level and beautiful it, it sort of um it it made us all remember hang on a sec you know this there's nothing there ain't nothing wrong with with pop music it, it, you know yeah, he was man. You know, he was yeah. He was he impacted everybody. You know, yeah, when, when he came sure. came back. You know, yeah. like um, he was great. Like you know, we we first met in Brisbane, I think. Um, and I mean, I was floored when I heard him play. It was because that was that was another thing again. That was a different different from Hamish. Like groovy, but LA sort of groovy. Like he yeah, this, yeah. Hamish had this kind of James Brown groovy. Um. Uh, yeah, but Kez had this. He's got yeah, the Picaro, Picaro thing, thing like, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and it was yeah. you know, and it was um, yeah, very very um, sophisticated, you know. Yeah, yeah. And a great musician, like yeah. a great, mm. you know, like a, you know, he's a heavy heavy musician. Yeah, yeah. an encyclopedia too, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. He's, yeah, love him, man. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, so where are we? Like, yeah, um, ninety two. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, then you you brought up how Kerry, like, yeah. Well, Kerry, you've changed. You changed. Yeah, changed your your concept. You're playing, but you still had that thing in your head. Like, I want to chop out, and then you started. You saw Kerry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it wasn't that cut and dry. It wasn't so much. Wasn't just. Kerry, or like, like, no, 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 like he, he gave yeah. it a, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I mean, but the thing, like, I was playing with Steve McKenna and um, Steve Hunter too, so w- I, I really compartmentalized gigs, like, right, that was you know, Steve McKenna and Steve Hunter and Dale Barlow, you play like um, that, 
yeah, I was allowed, like I was allowed to play like that. Um, and, you know, Margaret Ehrlich or Marsha Hines or, you know, pop music, um, that's a different thing, you know. Yeah. And um, so for a while I, I, I did play like that. And that's, that's a bit, it's a bit dangerous in a way, now I'm saying it, mm. um, because you kind of, you can kind of, you know, box yourself in in a way, I suppose. Mm. But, I, but yeah, I, like certainly, you know, that was, that was how I thought of it. Yeah. It, it probably is still, I, 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 there's still gigs where I think, well, I can, I can get more interactive here. Right. Well, that is the case, you know. Yeah. But, but um, you know, so, but then um, after, after, so Kerry moved to Sydney around in that, that year, I think, around 92, moved back to Sydney. And I moved, I went to Melbourne to do the Visard show mm. the next year. And Kerry took over Margaret's band. Yep. Um, I think that was the order of how it went. Um, so, and Gander was, was back in town. <laughs> so I went to Melbourne, did, did, um, Visard. And that was a, that was cool. That was a, a year of, um, that was a great experience, you know. Yeah. I played with some Melbourne guys, um, yeah. Sam C had, had the band and he, he was great and he's a legend, Sam. Um, and Ricky Edwards who, oh, you know, he's another guy, we lost a couple of, about a year ago, it was tragic, you know, keyboard player, really great cat. Um, Andy Burns was the, the other keyboard player and Jeremy Allsop played bass, you know. So it was a great, that was a great band and um, not the TV band experience I was expecting though, I have yeah. to say. I, you know, because I'd grown up, as I say, watching Don Lane and Midday and you know, where they were sort of all reading cats. They, these cats weren't, it wasn't really a reading band. Or, I mean, they could they could read, but they, that wasn't how they went about things. Or how, right. it wasn't how Sam went about things, you know. Yeah. Um, although, you know, we'd have these charts written for the acts and stuff. And we got to play with some good acts and all that. And, um, and you know, playing live telly five nights a week and all that. And, um, you know, so it was all, all great. But, you know, TV's... Um, a lot of sitting around, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, waiting, yeah. waiting for you to go, you know. Yeah, um, but it was cool. It was a cool experience, and it was cool, sort of, to be on t- TV and yeah. all that stuff as a kid, you know. Like yeah. as a, you know, I was early twenties and and all that, and um, uh, yeah. Then I left. I left that show just before because it, it was going to end, and I got offered a, a tour to Japan with Margaret Ehrlich, right? And that's where I met. Not met, but that's where Mark Costa was in the band. I'd, I'd played with Mark before, but okay. and um, yeah, Mark and I were good mates. And uh, so yeah, we did that. We did that band um, mm. again for a while. I did Marsha. I mean, I did um, Margaret, and then went on to Marsha after that, um, and played a lot with Tony as a party. Do you know Tony? Yeah. Don't know him personally. I know who he is. All oh, right. Yep. Yeah. Well, he's a amazing. <laughs> I got to say this; he'll, he'll kill me for that. But <laughs> <laughs> no, he's an amazing, um, amazing, instinctive musician. Yeah, like, you know, all all done from. I, I won't even. I won't even. I wouldn't even say like self-taught because I don't think he 
he ever really practiced. He just did gigs, you know. Like, right. I mean, he had a family. He's the 15th kid of 15. Yeah, right. And um, uh, again, I, I took over from Hamish in that band. And that, that band was um, Mark. Um, no, hang on. Sorry. The, uh, this is um, Margaret Illich. I'm getting a bit tired. Yeah, um, Victor Rounds on bass. Danny DaCosta. Paul Burt. Oh, I beg your pardon. Paul Burton was in Margaret's band. Oh, I think I've given you the bum steer from before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mixed. I'm mixed up. Mike Carm was in the later Margaret band. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, oh mate, I don't know what to do about it. Um, the first Margaret band I, th- I was in was was Paul Burton, Rebecca Johnson, Danny DeCosta. Dennis Mason then became Andrew O and uh, Mary as a party, Tony's sister. Yeah. Um, and then the later band was Mark Costa, um, Shauna Jensen on backing vocals, mm. Mike Kahn on guitar, Dave Glide on sax, yep. and Glenn Rhodes on keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I left that band to join Marsha and tour with Marsha for a few years. Mm. And that was that other band. So that was Victor. <laughs> Oh, Johnny Bettison on guitar, yep. of course. Um, Danny DaCosta, Tony has a party, and um, I think that's it. I, I'm getting a bit foggy, but I had a great time in that with Tony. You know, yeah. Yep. Um, and I was just thinking, like Dave, Dave Pritchard must he must was in the band at one point, and because I remember his comment was, he said, he said it wouldn't matter what was going on with Marsha. Um, out the front, like whether she was singing, you know, up tempo, a ballad, talking to the audience. You see, look over at me and Tony, and we'd be chatting to each other on stage, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the whole time, or just, yeah. just you know, ribbing each, yeah, you, know, you know, like yeah. we had a great, we had a great sort of rapport going. That's cool. Yeah, um, and I, I left Marsh, or I took a hiatus from Marsh and joined Dragon in the um, mid nineties. We're still with Mark Hunter and Todd together, right? And Alan Mansfield, right? Um, and that was great, you know, because that was sort of a of all the Oz rock bands growing up, they were to me the most. They had the most. Well, uh, they had the most American kind of pocket. I thought, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and like particularly in the Don Perry, Tommy Manuel era, yeah. you know. And I love Kerry Jacobson's playing yeah. too. He's got a real deep groove and a you know great song yep. sensibility. Yep. Um, so that was great to play those songs with those guys, and you know that was that was a hoot. But um, Todd left the band at the time for a little while, and Dario Bordelin right. joined the band on bass, and it was chaotic. It was always chaotic with Mark and. Yeah, I, I, I actually thought I used to think, you know, it was just chaotic during my time with the band, but I've read um, Jeff Apter's book, <laughs> the Mark Hunter book, um, that Jeff Apter wrote, and it it seems to me like it might have been just as chaotic the whole time, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. like, like you know, right. mayhem. Yeah. Like Mark was, you know, he's a one-off man, you know, I, you know, but I, I loved it. Yeah, he and I got on great, you know, and we. We, that was tragic when when he died. And, yeah, you know, 
Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I love that band. I love playing in that band. And, and that, that band had a, um, you know, that was sort of ticking a box. Yeah, right. Cool. That, that you, you know, that was a real, I loved it, you know. That's great. Great, great songs, mm. great crafted pop songs. and. Mm. So did that know. end because Mark got sick? Um, oh, for, for your time, I mean. No, I mean no. <laughs> my t- like, I, it got. It was just getting too chaotic. Um, okay. Management-wise, too, they were out of con- or Yeah, you know, it was sort of pretty wild. You know, because okay. um, no, like once Todd left, right, there was no one really driving the truck. You know, okay. um, and it was kind of crazy. So I ended up going back to Marsha for a while. Um, yeah, and then I think I, I left Marsha. Kerry had been doing um, Margaret, and then I left Marsha and Kerry came and did Mar- um, Marsha. <laughs> Very incestuous. Oh, look, person. you know, I, everyone's resume ends up yeah, yeah, looking pretty same. much the same, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, David Jones played with Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Pete, Pete Drummond's the um, yeah. the longest drummer to, to, to play with Dragon. Is that right? Oh, yeah, by, yeah. by you know, probably... The, you know, fivefold. Right. Yeah, he's he's been doing it for 10, 10 or twelve years or something. Right. Um, I mean, Kerry Jacobson. You know, yeah. But but Dragon, like if you if you looked at the who's played with Dragon, the drummers, it's everybody's played with Dragon. Like yeah. everybody, man. I mean, right. you know, I mean, like there's, mate, I reckon 50, 50 cats have played drums. Right. With Dragon. <laughs> Chaotic. Oh mate, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, so out of Dragon, back to Marsha. Back to Marsha, yeah. I think, I mean, it's all a bit foggy now. I, yeah. I, I, I meant to kind of review this all before I came and saw you, but I, you know. I, it's I, all good, man. Yeah. We'll make it I, I mean, and all the time, I, like throughout this, like still keeping the sort of jazz fusion things going. Yeah. Um, less, I suppose, straight ahead, but I was still working with Don Burrows. I, yeah. I, I was yeah. in, with Don Burrows right up till, um, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a sort of, he moved to Painesville in Victoria and then sort of toured less, you know. He kind of, he didn't quite retire, but he just was doing less. I mean, he's still around. Don, Don's, he's 91, he's still 91. He's, mm-hmm. he's, um, he's got pretty bad Alzheimer's now, which is sad. But that was a great experience, you know, you know playing with Donna, you know. Like, um, but, yeah, he was, he was, he had amazing time yep. on the saxophone, on, on any of his horns, you know. Mm-hmm. Great, you know. Like a really solid musician in every, like a, you know, one of those cats who his solo is great, his time is great, his tuning's great, his pitches, you know, like everything, yep. you know, really just yep. super pro, super slick, you know, yep. um, just you know, musical, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I can't remember where I'm at. Yep. So. So Marsha, and then you're still playing with Don Burrows. Yeah, does uh, yep. Don Burrows the whole time through. Yep. So after um, after Marsha. Yeah, after Marsha, be late nineties. I can't remember. I, I <laughs> well, I remember Tom Burlinson in 1998 in May. Tom Burlinson um, uh, started. A, uh, he 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 mortgaged his house and booked the Seymour Centre. Um, to do a, a a Frank Sinatra show a right. li- called a Life in Song, so right. it was it was this actually is what you mentioned. Earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, it was a big band on stage and he would sing the songs, not doing an impression of Frank, but he sounds a bit like Frank, and, mm. but, but, and telling the story, you know, and, and that was the show. Um, and he booked it for two weeks, you know, on his own, his own money, to, <laughs> like took a punt, and a week before we opened, Sinatra died, right? Mm. So the show goes through the roof. Like blowing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it, Tom will tell you, he, he actually contemplated cancelling at the time. Oh, right. You know, but it just, it was a second career for Tom, you know. Like right, he went, of course. He went and did the show. Um, so, the th you know, I think we did sort of like a long season in Sydney and then he took it all around the country. We went to Canada with it and, you know, like went, went all over the place. Um, so, um, and it was great fun. Like I really dug Sinatra. It was great to play those charts, you know, in, in a big band. I mean, I love, I love big band. It's a great, great vibe. Do you play big band? You, no. I mean, that, you know, it's a great feeling, you know. And it goes all the way back to that experience from with Mark Costa's dad, you know. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that sort of sent me on that path, really. Um, yeah, there's nothing sort of, there's nothing like the exhilaration of driving 18 cats, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, like when it's all happening, it's it's great, great feeling. Um, so, you know, yeah, we end up doing that for a lot for the next few years, you know. Mm. Um, and, you know, yeah, like it was with Ralph Pyle, he used to run the run the band and like they'd pick up different horns in all, all the different places, but there was a core rhythm section and, um, you know, we all travelled with it and it was great. Um but you know, it was it was a show, and it was a bit like it got a bit hard sitting through the the monologue. I have to yeah, say, you right. know, like the, the music was great, but the yeah. the the monologue was kind of hard work. But yeah, you know, um, yeah, I did that for a couple of years, and then met my wife, you know, uh, and um, Emily's. Um, I met her through her dad, who was. Roger Frampton, who was mm -hmm. teaching at the con, and I'd, I'd, I'd played with Roger a bit over the years, and um, he got sick. He had cancer, and um, I was actually we met at a. Um, it's just coming up to twenty years at the tenth of October, at a benefit concert for Roger at the basement, mm. and I got up and played. <laughs> and uh, after it, Emily came up to me and said, "Oh, thanks for playing. I'm Roger's daughter." You know, so that's where I first met her. Mm. And then about a month later, I went and visited Roger, who was pretty sick. You know, and um, Emily was there, so that's how we, <laughs> that's how we met. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I took, it wasn't long. Like Roger died in January of the following mm -hmm. year, that was, of two thousand. You know, so I was, uh, I took advantage of her in her grief. You know, like so. <laughs> um, this is <laughs> that's now very public, very public joke. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> Two yeah, 2000. Yeah, we're in sort of early 2000s now. Um, and then I suppose the next thing was um, Australian Idol. Um, I was... Uh, um, I, I knew... When I went to the con, uh, John Foreman was in the high school at the con. Right. Uh, he's, he's a little younger than I am. Um, so he, he was in the con high, and um, I'd been to... Uh, Montreux, sorry, Montreal Jazz Festival with John and Azos, Tony Azos in like mid-90s. We went over there and um, Adam Armstrong on bass and 
played, you know. And, and John and I had worked a lot. We sort of hit it off at the con and worked a lot around town before John went to um, do Bert Newton in Melbourne, to do Good Morning Australia. Yeah. And, um, you know, was, he, he was sort of heading that way of the MD thing, you know. Right. But um, so when Australian Idol happened, he had the gig and he, he, he'd been living in Melbourne for a long time by that by, by that point. And he said to me, he rang me up and said, oh, you know, are you interested in this thing? And um, who should I get? He was out of touch with Cats mm. in Sydney. And um, so, you know, <laughs> like I suggested the band. And in fact, this is a, another connection was that uh, I mentioned before, Emily, my wife's mum was in tv she had worked on good morning australia and knew john really well right so the other thing john said he said would emily be interested in a gig on the show sort of you know musical assistant and all that so emily and i both worked on australian idol for the first year which was nice and the second year we had our um our first daughter mabel was born um so she, you know, she she stopped. She she only did the one year, but um, yep. I only went for seven years. But um, at the end of the, we used to do this live tour at the end of the first couple of years, and that's all it lasted because they, yeah. <laughs> they they got stiffed on the second year. But yeah, right. Um, uh, so we're touring, and uh, we had one. It was the last night of the tour. We're on the Gold Coast, I and I got a call from James Morrison in my hotel room. And he said, are you working next week? And I said, yeah, I've got some stuff on. Like, you know, like I was, you know, I've been away for a while. And I was coming back to town. And I had a few bits and pieces on. Like, but nothing glamorous, you know. And he said, well, he said, I, I'm, I'm here with um, uh, Lalo Schifrin, who's the guy who wrote Mission Impossible, amongst other things, and Cool Hand Luke and, like, you know, yeah, right. composer. <laughs> he said, and we're, we're playing with the Sydney Symphony this week and... It was Christian McBride on bass and Grady Tate playing the drums. And they'd been in Adelaide and Grady'd suffered, uh, it was some kind of memory loss thing. It wasn't a stroke, but he'd had some kind of thing where he just sort of didn't know where he was. Like, oh, so shit. they were freaking out a bit. He said, well, look, he said, I'll let you know. Um, he's seeing doctors and stuff. But if, you, um, if you're happy to see if you can get out of your gigs, um, um, you know, love you to come and play right so it was you know this and this is a thing called jazz meets the symphony right um and anyway turns out grady grady went back home you know and so i got i got got the call to do this gig so i went and um walked in <laughs> played with the sydney symph and and layla Schifrin and james and christian mcbride on the bass you know oh like, yeah i mean man like one of the best in the world, that, there, man. That is, <laughs> that is a pocket. That is, yeah, right. Insanely great, you know. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, that was, so, and that led to, you know, I did it again when he came out the next time, and then I, I ended up touring a bit. I've been to Europe a couple of times and stuff with with Lalo, and um, you know, and that's like super classy stuff, you know, like they were right. like they that was really comfortable touring. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that that was just a, a fortuitous thing, but sometime around that, I, and I never know, but it would have been around two thousand four. I started working with James Morrison. By this time, ja, um, Don had pretty much retired. You know? Okay, um, and so I start. I got into James Morrison's band, and I, and I never quite know exactly when it was because I started by just 
filling in here and there, and sure. then, then then suddenly I was the guy. And I think that's how it works, you know. Okay. Um, anyway, but so and and the same the other end. I don't know quite when I was not in the band, but um, <laughs> you know, uh, like it was about. Well, that was oh four. So yeah, I reckon it's about twelve to fourteen years I was in that in that band, you know. Yeah, right. Um and that was great. Like playing with James was I don't know if you know much about James, but yeah, like he's a he's a he's just a one off human, you know. Yeah. Like extraordinary mm-hmm. at anything he at anything he cares to be interested in, you know. Is that right? Yeah, just just, just amazing. Like, you know, just picks up any instrument and can play it and right. um or you know he's into cars and play. I mean I I I've got no interest in cars and planes and boats until he starts talking about it. And then they suddenly sound interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, he's a beauty. Um, I just did a gig with him the other night, and I've got one on Sunday. But oh, that's cool. that's the first one's in a long time. But um, yeah. or you know in a year or so. But um, yeah, he's great, man. And so I got to play with him. It was James Muller on guitar and Emma Pask and Phil Stack um, was the band, and Blaine Whitaker at first, but Blaine. Then moved to um, Hong Kong, so it became um, a quintet, you know, and it was great. Um, again, you know, comfortable, nice touring, and and you know, good gigs and lots of work. Like, mm. did lots of stuff. Um, you know, uh, some overseas, and you know, a lot of lot of Australia was was great. And James always. You've got to rise to it, you know. You've got to meet, meet it, him, you know. Um, and that's that was great for me, you know. And, and yeah, right. they all sounded great, and Stacks great, and, and Muller, and they, they, you know, it was a real groove, um, like a swinging groove. And you know, like James would tailor his gigs to what the audience was. So you you might be playing kind of pretty mainstreamy straight ahead one day and then kind of modern out <laughs> in the next day because you're at a gig where that's where people are into yep. it and want to hear that you know yep. so yep. it was was cool you got to do a lot of things and play you know get kicked in the ass challenged yeah, yeah. yeah it was great i mean um you know and it, like a jonesy had been in that band too and mm. um although jonesy had left uh, i didn't follow him immediately in that band but um you know John Morrison's another drummer I, mm-hmm. I should mention. I, I learned a lot about swing, straight ahead jazz time. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he had a really nice centre to his time and a great ride cymbal beat. You know, mm. um, so I copped a lot from John. It was great. So yeah, that was all happening, um, sort of concurrent with Idol, really. Right, um, and you know, just the constant juggle trying to make everything work. But, yeah, right. Um, that sort of idol went till '09, I guess, and then I kept we kept work, working with James. And James has been up, up till about a couple of years ago. James was my main gig, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, saw a lot of the world and did a lot of cool stuff. It's you know? awesome. Yeah. yeah. So when did you did you see Idol ending? Oh yeah, they, yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, that was sort of writing on the wall. Oh, yeah, seasons yeah, to go type thing. Yeah, it started yeah. not rating as well as you know. I mean, it, look, the first year they had Guy Sebastian, um, you know, and it, I'm, I, it was sort of the most watched show. Um, the grand final was the most watched non-sporting TV event. Yeah, I think it still is. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Guy Sebastian, you know, mm. um, 
oh, oh have a joke with trout you know like it's outrated the voice you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I spoke it was yesterday I mean, yeah we had a great he's a great drummer too yeah, yeah, yeah. warren like yeah, yeah. great pocket and a, and a funny great cat man yeah. you know yeah. um but yeah um uh where was i so yeah we, like i yeah it was was great fun idol um sorry man i've lost my train that's yeah. all right yeah um oh did you see the writing on the wall Is it, yeah was yeah look i did i did yeah because it was rating the ratings were going down and yeah yeah um you so know. did you actively start looking outside well no for something else or, no or it's never worked like that it, things have just always well it wasn't even that i mean i idol was you know People think it was a full time job. It was it was no, I, I, sort of two days a week, you know. Oh right. Um, yeah, like it wasn't, and and only while the season was on. Yeah. Of so course, it wasn't yeah, like yeah, it wasn't yeah. like. I mean, I was working with Steve Edmonds' band um, a lot, yeah, <laughs> a lot during that time. And, yeah, and we, like his his gigs, a lot of his gigs were, you know, Newcastle and Central Coast, Coast and Wollongong and all all over the joint, you know. Yeah. So I, like, I mean, I remember turning up to Idol pretty pretty wrecked after a kind of late Wollongong night and, and they were long days the idle days we know um but um yeah it wasn't like when I was doing idle that was all like I was doing yeah. like it was just a couple of days and I was doing right. lots of other stuff during the week you know like sessions and um all kinds of stuff you know that's cool like, yeah because yeah, so, your profile obviously would have gone up a bit. Oh, from Idol, yeah, from Idol, yeah, that yeah. was kind of you know, I guess people saw that, but mm. yeah, yeah, I've never really thought thought much about that. Yeah, you right. Yep. I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not great on the old um, social media thing. I've got no, not on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. I, I sort of, I remember hearing your um, your bass round table and mm -hmm. Adam talking about it too. I, that's how I feel. It's yeah, like, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't object to anyone doing it i just don't feel comfortable sure. kind of mm. myself <laughs> you know? yeah right. like um it just yeah i just find it um difficult you know bill had really something really interesting to say about social right. media yeah, and, yeah. and how um it's almost like a drug man like you're getting these blasts of cool stuff and then you know you get this little hit out of it and then you move to the next thing and it's right right it's like an addiction you well know? you know i mean to be honest i think i'm too i'm too um sensitive to you know cop criticism like i, I find oh, i don't think you'd cop criticism oh man but from, well you know from from everything you know everything i see on facebook and, well, <laughs> and instagram um and i mean there's a lot of drummers groups right you see, I'm out of touch with it. Look, but uh, but you know, I got to say, like I, I mean, I've been playing um, nearly forty years, be late, you know, thirty thirty eight years or something, and I look on YouTube and I see some cat who I think, man, this guy's pretty cool, mm. and then you read the comments and go, this guy sucks, and it's like, and I'm like, wow, man, like. How do you, you must know a lot about it because I, you know, I've been playing a while and I reckon he's good. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. And it, but it's not just like they don't like it. it's so vitriolic and kind of. It's trolls, man. That's, yeah, that's yeah. All it's they do. Dark, yeah. man. But uh, you know, so like, you know, the internet's great, but it's given everybody 
um, the opportunity to sort of have their voice heard. Sure. Um, and some people, some people's, uh, how can I say it? I mean, some people I think have have earned the right to have a stronger voice, you know, from, from, you know, from virtue of experience, like real experience. Like, Absolutely. Cause, you know, so, so I, you know, I find that, I find that difficult, you know. That's cool. This, this, look, there's other cats, are, you know, like Pete Drummond's, mm. um, great cat. I've just segued out of nowhere there. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pete Drummond mentioned was, was a trout. Mm. Um, Mitch Farmer, he's, he's a great drummer. You know, I got a lot from him in the early days and now. Um, and Jim Peace is another friend of mine who's a fantastic drummer and he's a great educator too. And he, he, he um, studied a lot with <coughs> Joe Morello in the States mm. and brought a lot of that stuff here and he's a big inspiration to a lot of cats. Yeah. Yeah, Gander, I, I lived with Gander for a year. Yeah. Um, I had a house in Eastwood and he, um, he moved in. <laughs> <laughs> we it was it was so much fun you know yeah. it was just constant like round the clock drums and i mean round the clock you know we used to get up and and you'd be talking about drums and there'd be the pads all over the place you know like practice pads and you know we have videos on and um you know like constant you'd go to your gig you'd come we each come back from gigs and and um you know, go on like late, you know, it'd be like three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, you're still talking about drums with pads out, you know, playing and right, stuff. Right. And then, but the joke became, um, I don't know if you, you know, the um, the Jim Chapin advanced techniques for the modern drummer. Do you know about the, 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 the um, sequel, uh, Advanced Techniques Volume 2, The Open End? Do you know about that? No. Oh, it's this big, thick book like this, and it's oh. like about, you know, three inches thick, thick and it's got um, like a folder and there's pages in it with rhythms written on them w with a like a cutout so you can lay that page on another page <laughs> and, and have all right. these rhythms, these right. multiple rhythms playing it. So it's this, it's called the open end because it's the, you know, infinite combinations okay, of right. rhythms against each right. other. Right. So the joke would be with Gander, you know, like we've been talking about drums since like, you know, nine o'clock this morning. Um, you know, all day watching videos, practicing, playing pads, listening to music. You know, they'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to bed." You, you go, you clean your teeth, and, you, and then I grab that book and I put it under my arm and say, well, "I'll see you in the morning." You know, and I've got, I've got the Jim Chapin book. You know. <laughs> like really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Just yeah, go and yeah. do a bit of practice now. That's classic. Yeah. yeah, it was funny stuff, yeah. but it was great, man. It was the time. And Pete Drummond used to come and hang out, you know, and um. <laughs> There's a, a story which is always funny. Um, it, it, Pete, I'd seen Pete play. Yeah, you know, like Pete, Pete used to come and see gigs and stuff. And I, I remember doing it. There was a we did a drum clinic at um, uh, uh, Sound Level in Ultima, and Pete played. And I see he was beautiful, man. He, he, he's killing it, you know. And I saw him do this alternating flam thing. Um, really quick alternating flams, you know. And it was something I'd never really checked out, you know, like, because um, I, I was kind of like in a Tony Williams, the sort of flames the one way, you know. Right. Anyway, and we got we got talking, and Gander, it was Gander, so Gander was living, and um, 
I was talking. Pete Pete rang up. Gander's in his room practicing on the pads. He's on his room practicing, and Pete rings up, and we're chatting. And I said, so I brought up the alternating flam thing. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the go? With it? Like, you know, and he said, oh, you know, and we're talking. I said, how, how fast can you do it? He said, oh, you know, sixteenths at one forty. And um, I went, oh, okay, right. Anyway, we finished the conversation. I, and I went into Gander, and he's in there, and he's got he's got the metronome on, he's got the, the pads. I said, just put dial up 140 for me on the metronome. You know, it's like out here. I said, wow. He goes, what? I said, oh, Pete Drummond reckons he can play alternating flams at 140 in 16ths, you know. He goes, oh, yeah, right. Anyway, so <laughs> I, go, I go out. And five minutes later, Gander comes out. He goes, ring him up, get him on the phone. <laughs> he goes, he goes, oh, I've He's got, got a workshop that is. I've he? got to hear it. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I want to hear him. Yeah, yeah let's, let's see. It. <laughs> it's like yeah, as if you know. Let's see it. You know. And so yeah. we we ring him up, <laughs> and there he goes. And Pete's Pete ends up playing these flams at one forty on his shoe. <laughs> you know, and on he did bike. it at one forty. Oh yeah, oh, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was great because I could just. Picture Gander, like me going, you know, 140 walking out and Gander trying this. <laughs> Get him on the phone. Like, yeah. you know, I yeah. need verification. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> but it was great, man. You know, yeah. it was great. And, and Andy was, Andy's like a sponge, you know, like a subtle sponge. He just, he just takes the, the bits from everybody that he, right. that he wants and, right. and that he can use and then, you know, and then uses it in his own thing it's yeah. it's it's amazing you know you know and his his thing is so sort of hip and and sophisticated it's it's you know like i i think like i i look back and think about cats who are the real leaders you know mm-hmm. and and you know jones is obviously one and virgil and andy are all all guys who really have their own voice um and have developed it you know to a high level you know right yeah i mean the danger of saying that is i'm uh, is i'm leaving people out but yeah i think uh, it's sort of uh, unarguable like andy's it's so gorgeous you know when you hear it and yeah i mean i had less to do with virgil just because he was in melbourne i had a lesson with him once and um, got a lot from that, you know, just one lesson. Yeah, right. But, um, and always Dougie's thing. But yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, thing, there's things I haven't talked about, like glue, you know, with Bill. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um. you look, at, yeah, you know, it was about, I mean, my joke about the band was, you know, because you know, the, when they, um, um, you know, the classic line when bands would break up was, They'd break up because of their musical differences. Right. But my joke was that glue formed because of their musical differences. Yeah, you know? right. But, um, yeah. but look, yeah, the, the, it was that was a cool thing. We had this band, and it was Pete Northcote, Victor, me, and Bill, and um, we we played. Um, we used to play at the Harbourside Brasserie a lot, and and you know once a month and get good good. People, you know, good numbers down there it was great, yeah, great yep, vibe, yep. and it was all original music. And the music was all well, about ninety percent of it came about from jamming 
at my place and then going, all right, what if we take that bit and stick this? So, so the songs, the tunes as a result were kind of hybrids of everybody's input. Right. Um, and I think that was the band's strength. It was, it was that it was, um, you know, had a bit of, like, you know, Victor had the funk thing. Mm. Bill had the hip chordal thing. Yeah. Peter had the rock power thing. Yeah. And I was sort of the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> um, well, you know, well, you know I, I sort of did my thing. But yeah. but um, I think that was, you know, like I'd, I'd say things like, why don't we, um, you know, why don't we play that same thing and then play it again in seven there or something. And like, so, yeah, you know, cool. like that'd be my contribution, be sort of a rhythmic, you know, mm-hmm. angle on things. Um, and, uh, you know, it was great because, and the tunes never, the tunes were interesting and people, people dig, dig it was sort of, was, was kind of cool. Well, so, I mean, I look back, I, I kind of call it teenage boys music a bit, you know. Oh, yeah. um, well, Jim Kelly, you know, um, from Crossfire, I remember talking to him a, a few years ago and I said, what are you, what are you in, listening to? What are you, what are you listening to? He said, he said, I'm really finding myself interested in music that um, women will listen to. And I, I know what he means. It's like not stuff that, you know, all the muso, like, right. you know, 18 year old boys get down and, and check out. It's right. like stuff that it's kind of got melody. And, yeah, yeah. You know, um, there's something to hang on to other than the kind of virtuosity of it, I suppose. Right. I um, so glue kind of, because I think, you know, Victor kind of brought the funk, you know, so it was sort of, it wasn't just a sort of fusion r- rock onslaught. Gotcha. Although, you know, it could be pretty in your face at times, but it was sort of, um, was cool, you know. And we got, you know, yeah, it was it was great fun. It was just a bit, yeah, sad how it ended, that's all. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you know. And how long, did, how long were you guys going for? Yeah, that's hard to... It's all a bit foggy. I was really mortified when it finished. I was, you know, okay. and I was... Pete pulled the plug on it and yeah. I was down on Pete for doing that. And I remember saying to him, um, you know, just do me a favour and... Because uh, I, I said, just do me a favour and um, don't rule out the possibility of, you you know, you being wrong <laughs> or something like that. You know? oh, okay. like, um, and, you know, anyway. Um, any, but, any chance of... Maybe doing it again, going around again. I don't know. I, I, like I, I, you never say never. Because I, yeah. I mean, I, I got you know the, the inst- what I'm going to say was that at first I was very keen for it to go, and I know Victor Victor's into it, um, but in more recent times <laughs> I'm kind of not interested now. Like it's okay. like I've, I've sort of moved on myself. But I guess you know. I'm I'm kind of coming around to a point going oh you know well, whatever why not we found ourselves all on gigs where we're like on yeah. other people's gigs that's know? cool yeah. it's funny you know yeah, yeah <laughs> like, right um Victor sent me because when when I did Victor's episode right um he sent me um a piece of music oh, okay which was glue yeah really I can't remember if it was a live thing or all oh, right something was it any really good it was great man was it yeah yeah, yeah really oh, good okay yeah, yeah I mean yeah. I, you know. I, I don't know. I was, it, was, it was all pretty frantic. I, I kind of, 
I don't know if I play the same way now, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. right. Yeah. I I had uh great times with Steve McKenna playing fusion and um uh also Steve Hunter, but like mm. you know, I played with those guys in the early nineties and then had some kind of years gap and then played with them again. Well you're playing with Steve now, aren't I'm you? playing with yeah. Steve again now yeah. and it's very different now. Um mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it now in a in for different reasons, you know. Um and it's much more organic and um groovy I think now, you yeah. know, like uh yep. still pretty in your face. Like it was always in your face. But yep. um yeah, it's just I guess that's what happens when you you age and you yeah things mature and yeah, stuff, right. you know. Yeah. What you'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's a champion. He's an artist, man. He's a he's yeah. a real artist. Um mm-hmm. you know, he's not the guy you're gonna get to do a pop session or something, you know. Yeah, I understand. But yeah. but he's a he, like he's got his thing, and it's strong, and he's developed it, and he's stuck to it, and you know he's it's it's great. You know, I, I really have a great uh, admiration for Steve and yeah. you know, what he's done, and you know I'm digging playing with him. I'm digging playing with the band Mac McMahon, and it's great. So you've played with Leon a fair bit. Over the years, yeah, a lot, yeah, 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 yeah. So, when was that first meeting? And well, I mean, I remember seeing Leon um, back in the eighties when I was in high school. At that you know, I was when I was sneaking into the basement, and um, he had a band with Dave Jones and um, Sam McNelly, and I think Tommy Emmanuel. There were various lineups of it, but um, one was called the Inevitables, and one was called the Invincibles. Um, <laughs> Uh, and that was, I think that's sort of the first time. And when I was sort of, you know, hanging out with David, um, Leon would often be on sessions and stuff like that. So, um, I remember him from back then, but I, you know, I did sessions with him, jingles and stuff. Um, and then we did a lot of, well, you know, we've done a bunch of records with different people. Um, and it's, you know, he's great in like in a studio situation, um, he's amazing. Like he's sort of, um, he's a big picture guy and like so much experience and machine like time. And I mean that in, yeah, the, right. in the best possible way, like precision, you know, precise and, and fat and groovy sounds like everything, everything even, you know, like it's, it's yeah. just your dream, you know, to play with like, yep. um, uh, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of lot of great cats I love playing with for different reasons, you know. Yep. Um, but Leon's very uh, st- structured and organised, and everything fits, you know. Everything, yeah, everything right. sort of slots in. Mark Costa's the same, you know. Mm-hmm. They have this. Um, it's the marrying of the parts. It's not just a free for all. Like know? you said, it's the big picture. Yeah, big picture yeah. players. Yeah, mm. oh, and I like to think, you know, I like to be like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's this great interview with Gad on um, on one of the um, YouTube channels, and he and they they ask him about what's a groove, and he said, um, a groove's an agreement, you know. And he said, he said when things start to lock in and line up that's when they start to feel good you know mm. and i i mean i have that's my that's been my experience you know when it's when it's all lined up it's 
that's you can't beat it you know yeah um and it doesn't you know it doesn't matter if it's simple or complex if that's happening that's good you know? right that's the feeling you want you know so you know that's like cats like that yep. like leon and mark and dario Evies. and victor yep. you, know, you know all the good yep. guys yep. yeah that, that it's they're playing they're wanting to play with you you know yeah um I remember Adam Armstrong was a great bass player. He's, he lives in the States now. He's been there for a long time. And all the drummers like playing with Adam. But I know all the drummers didn't put the pocket in the same place. But Adam had this way of finding who, finding the pocket with whoever you're with and making that sound solid, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's, you know, that's, I guess that's, that's what I try to do. I'm not, I'm not trying to dictate... A pocket, uh, but I want to want to marry it up, you know. I know what you're saying. Um, y- you know, you, you're you know talking highly of these guys, but you know, there's people out there that are talking just as highly of you. <laughs> I know you kind of shrug to it, but it's true, man. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, and <laughs> I was um, um, because you do some sessions for Steph, Stefan. Over. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, so I asked him, you know, about his experiences with you, and and he said you just you just know music. Oh, okay. That's You've nice. got yeah. great sounding drums. You're good to the clients, and he said the reason he uses you simply is because you know music, yeah, not yeah. just because you're yeah. a drummer, but you know. Well, that's that's um, that's. Lovely, you know. Yeah, and uh, and Steph's a great cat. I, I I met Steph actually on some sessions, but then we played together in Doug Parkinson's band. Yeah, because he with plays keyboard. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Leon and Dave Longo, and that's that's a groovy band. That's a you know those guys are all time guys. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like you know, and they all do that. They all we're all. Y- you're all. That's right. Yeah. You just said it then. Well, not yeah. just them, but the, well, you're yeah. part of it. Okay. Then. Yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we're, everyone's everyone's wanting the same. I mean, yeah, yeah. I know that the um that the sum of the parts is better than the exactly. individuals. There you, know? you go. And yeah. I, I know too. I mean, I've noticed things like when I've just experimented with percussion mm-hmm. um in my studio at home, just um just mucking around. And I'll play something in, and I know it's like I'm a I'm a pretty average percussion <laughs> percussionist. But I'll play something in, just with a like I might be just trying something out with textures, and and I play it, and it's you know like if I'm playing a tambourine or a shaker, um, I can't line that up as in the pocket as I can when I play the drums. You know? Right. Okay. But so so I play I'm, I might play a tambourine part, and then put a some other part on it. Um, and it's the sum of the once you get the two things, and then a third thing, and another voice, and yeah. it, and the whole thing. Even though it might like the tambourine mightn't be on the grid, yeah, the whole thing's it's because I'm I'm playing with the tambourine. I'm not playing with a click now. I'm playing with the tambourine. I'm playing I'm playing with whatever I put down. Um, it takes on its own yeah. pocket, you know. Yeah. So. You know, that's my rave on time too. Like, like you know, whilst metronomic time is, you know, people say a, a, a drum machine so it's, it's too too perfect. It's a pretty good thing to strive for, yeah. you know. Like, yeah, yeah. I sort of think, yeah. you know, like, yeah. why, why not strive for it? Because you're never going to make, that's Leon's yeah. rave, is you, you're never going to actually 
be that perfect so yeah you can die trying you know do your best yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and um <laughs> you know and that's cool i think like i think that's that's a good <laughs> a good thing to strive for yeah um but but it's it's not actually metronomic time that that gets it off or, or you know that it's it's the it's the togetherness of everybody. Yeah, gotcha. That, that, you know. Yeah. And like little feet's a great example of that. Yeah. You, you know, you hear a little feet thing, and if you, I'm sure if you put it on a grid, it's it's not, you know. Yeah. It's not lined up, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, yeah. we just we've been talking about Jeff Beccaro a lot. There's another <clears throat> one. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes he's not. Excuse me. Bang on the grid, you know. Like he he'll for a verse he'll pull it back and yeah, you yeah, can right. you can hear it and you can feel it, but then he kind of builds it back and everybody's yeah, with him. Yeah. The people that are on that session with him, they they they're feeling the same thing. Yeah. Hey, um, Chad Wackerman tells a story when he took over from James Taylor's band, and he um he spent a week over there while they were in the studio with and Gad Gad was recording, and he said they they he was listening to the tune in the control room and they're playing live and he said and they they get out with a click right steve gatt right and he said he got behind the click on this thing and he said it got further behind to the point where the click was on the end uh, uh, you know <laughs> it, was, it was on the eighth note you know and he's, he's sort of going what like steve this is steve gatt like what's what, what what's going on this is you know this is incredible and he said and when they came in and they turn off the click. He said yeah. it was just beautiful, beautiful, like yeah. silky, like yeah. it just swam, you know, like in yeah. in this most gorgeous way. It was just so, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's balls, isn't it? I mean, but you, oh, know, yeah. you know, it's a great. Yeah, <laughs> and with yeah, it makes you think about how they'd have that click in. The, how Gad would have the click in his ears. Yeah, would he have it like really low? I guess. How does yeah. he get to that point? You know, well, look, where, where the clicks on the end, or, or is he, does he just? Yeah, or, or maybe didn't have click, and he was just in the pocket. Maybe. With, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, look, but but you know, these days too, you sort of think, oh, everything's got to be on the grid so that you know it lines up because people are policing it by yeah. looking. You know, they're yeah, they're going, well, that doesn't feel right because it that, doesn't look right. That's you know? it. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, music music breathes, and I think breathes with people like you know yeah yeah but that said i mean i know the times when i listen back to myself and i'm not happy as the times when i'm pushing it or, right. or laying back you know right. like, like i think ah oh, you know other people i'm much more forgiving of other people doing that than i am of myself you know right. like okay. i sort of like i'm down on myself when i do it but right steve can do it yeah, yeah that's it <laughs> he's all right that's it um <laughs> you know? now you you've got your own studio at your house yeah yeah now, when did when did you build that? Well, I, I mean, it was there. Like I, I had it. There was a double garage in the when I, when we were moving mm. and when we were looking to buy a place. I, I asked. I was looking around for a place with a big, yeah, you know, big um, area, mm. and missed one, missed out on one. And the but the agent said, oh, another one's come on the market. He said, but it's he said, oh, it's no good. He said, it's got this because I said I, I want a large property, you know, large land. And he said, oh, this one's come on. But he says, no, good. It's got this big double garage in the backyard. I said, oh, 
what a drag. Let me have a look at it. <laughs> you know, so um, I went there and um, checked it out, and it's uh, you know, and, and that's the, the place we bought. Yeah. And the guys there used to do up cars, so they they had this double garage in the back, and I've since added on to it, and it's got a um, it's actually it was a six by eight, six by eight meters. And now it's about eleven by ten, so it's yep. a kind of big area. Mm. It's got you know kitchen, bathroom, and and a control room and a yeah. storeroom and yep. you know main studio area. Mm. Yeah. When you built that studio, um, did you have in mind recording, or do you just wanted a place where you could go and play your drums? And the the reason I'm asking that is, um, did you see us? You know, because you you guys were doing a lot of sessions and stuff and. Um, I'm not sure if this was time about the time where studios were starting to close and remote recording started to kind of come on the scene. Were you, yeah, kind of starting to be proactive with that and thought you'd set yourself up? Yeah, I think I think that was in the back of my mind. But yeah. the, but the the room was always meant to be um, for recording, yep. practicing recording, and yeah. rehearsing. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like for for just you know. Um, which is what it is. It's yep. what it's where I, you know, do everything. And you know, That's I have awesome. rehearsals there too. Yeah, with yeah. Bands and stuff. But yeah. Um, it's yeah. And I sort of did see the um, remote recording thing coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I have to say, it's it's uh, it's not as satisfying a way to make music as, yeah i understand, I understand you know yeah. yeah i mean the, the records i grew up listening to were you know five blokes or people in a room you know yeah um all playing with each other yeah. and, and going yeah. you, you know like how about we push this or how about we you know make a stop there or how yeah. about we you know play a bar of five or or how about we um whatever you know and i think the way it just by virtue of the economics of it, the way it's done when I'm doing drum tracks, you know, is a lot of that creative decision-making is sort of implicit in the guide that you get when you sent something to play with, um, which is fine. Um, but it's a little, it's, it's, you know, you're never going to get the swagger of course of a groove with cats playing together, you know, yeah, I think I mean that. I think that's a given. I think everyone kind of, kind of gets that. I think what I was, yeah, with my question, sort of wondering, yeah, did you see the writing on the wall in um, the industry, and you wanted to kind of set yourself up? I wouldn't. No, I don't think no. I, I saw the writing on the wall for the big studios as much as I thought. Oh, this is another way I can do stuff. Another you way, know? like right. the, you know, this is, okay. this might be a way that, that I can do some things, but. But I didn't. Yeah, I mean, there's because that's uh, that's early in the pit. You, you got onto that early. Yeah, yeah. You did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But um, I mean, I you know, I'm a I'm a computer guy, but I'm not. Yep. I'm not. Um, um, I'm not mad. Like I'm not a mad engineer. Like you know, Stefan and Dave yeah. Longo. Mm. Um, you know, are really great friends of mine and they 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 they're mad for it like they you know they they're they're sound they're sound guys they're guys who you know they know gear like i've got good gear and i've got um gear that works and i've got some nice pre's and i've got i've got nice average mics i haven't got 
super expensive mics, you know, like they're just, they're standard studio mics that, you yep. know. Yep. I mean, they're not cheap. They're not sure. not yep. cheap, but they're they're just standard mics and I got some nice pre's. I think the pre's are the, that's the money. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm working on Pro Tools now. I was on Digital Performer, but okay. I'm working on Pro Tools now, mm -hmm. which is which is a much more um, streamlined system for me. Right. Um Although I did love pro, um, digital performer was really quite musical. I, I really dug, okay. dug the sort of way it interface, you know, interface. But right. Pro Tools does everything you need to do, and right. um, I'm le I'm not as quick at getting around it yet. But you know, that's that's you know, that's all I'm using. But yeah, it's all. I, I'm not. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have that patience to try <laughs> Every cent twenty yeah, mic I, positions. I you know, yeah, like right. move it two centimeters and okay. and see what that's like. You know, right. Uh, and also because I'm, you know, if I'm engineering myself, it's I'm in and out of the yeah. control room. You know, right. So, um, but I, you know, people. Well, most people like the sounds I'm getting. Like that, that's you know, good. They say, you know, so they're pretty into it. Yeah. Do you still practice? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and what's your intention with your practice? Do you well? Is yeah. it a maintenance type practice, or are you um, always looking for new systems, or um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a lot. I spend a lot of time thinking about music, you know, and. Um, I think so. It's it's less physical now than there's less physical work now than I have done in the past. But um, it, you know, I'm I'm juggling a, a family of you know with three kids and a wife doing a PhD, and um, you know we 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 we're, we're okay, we're we're doing all right, but um. You know, you, it's a juggle, as you know. Like the like yeah. any, anyone with with kids, no, you know, yeah. knows. Like your time's not your own. Yeah. And yeah, any time I spend on the drums, I could be spending with the kids. Like yeah. So un, so un, if you know, if it's outside of school time, school time or whatever. So you know, um, yeah, I'm certainly not doing the hours that I have done in the past. You know, but I, I um, I do practice. Uh, on a pad, like I do, a lot, like I try to get a bit of pad stuff. Just keep my hands kind of going. Um, I know Amelia was talking about carpal tunnel, and I, I've yeah. I've had that. You know, I've got. Oh, that. you have. Yeah, yeah, had it for years, and um, <sighs> but I've just always played through it. Just um, you know, <laughs> like shook it out. Like I can, I can shake it out after, between a song. You know, um, and but interest like when I when I'm. If I play on the pad, it, it keeps it away. It, 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 ah, right. A little bit. Uh, yep. um, makes it less frequent. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so I've, I've really enjoyed um, you know, Bill Barkman's stuff. Do you know Bill Barkman's? No. Yeah, he's been... Well, he's he's a drum co uh, drumline guy in, right, okay. in the States and yep. a great educator and got some great... He's got a couple... Like, a lot of great packages but um he's got a book called um stick technique mm -hmm. and it's just the the exercises you know, are so sort of simple and obvious you think how come 
I haven't come across this before it's, or didn't think of it myself. Like right. it's, so, it's so kind of beautifully simple. Um, and it's great. But it's like all those cats are doing it. Like all the drumline guys do that stuff, you know. Right. Um, but he, yeah, he's a real guru of it. He's, he's great. Um, and yes, yeah, so I dig, I dig doing his stuff. Um, I, <laughs> you know, as I mentioned, I'm playing with James Morrow this week. Um, yep. and you know, I, I'm always aware that James could call a fast tempo, you know, right. um, at any given time, you know. Um, so whenever I've got something like that coming up, like I'll brush up on my up-tempo jazz, you know. I, I got to play with Winter Marsalis, you know. Yeah, I read that. And, um, yeah, it was incredible. Um, and we, it was uh, Matt McMahon and Phil Stack and myself, and we didn't, meet him or have any conversation with him till the like minutes before we went on yep. and but we thought oh well let's get together and we'll we'll so, so we we uh practiced together and we knew like you know he played um Cherokee really fast and he likes likes it on brushes you know um well, he likes a lot, lot of brushes and so we rehearsed we, we practiced it just and we were just second guessing things he might call, you know. Um, and sure enough, we got there and he called. <laughs> he called it. So, you know, um, but that, you know, so I, I kind of was was nice to get my my brush fast brush kind of confident, you know, like you know, like you know, kind of, you know. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, so like you know, yeah, I practice I practice things. Um, not not in the consistent way that I used yeah. to like, but yeah. uh, but like if I can get if I can get some time in the kit, I'll just um, I'll just work through some stuff, you know. Um, but a lot of it's interestingly um, basics, you know. Yeah, I yeah, mean, but I, like, and I've really, as I said, I, I've really enjoyed Steve Hunter's band. Um, the the this this incarnation of Steve Hunter's band because I, I can play in a way uh, play in that band in a way that I can't with many other bands, and I don't mean get away with stuff. Right. Although that's probably true too. But um, uh, th they have a certain uh kind of uh power and authority about the way they play Matt and Steve, um. That it gives me a, there's a lot of freedom and 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 it gives me a bed to play stuff. So I really dig I really dig that. But you know whenever I get a Steve we, we, like we we play once a month at the Lazy Bones, you know, and so when I, when that's coming up, I just practice the um, the frameworks of the of the tunes like. Right. Um, and the, the tunes are quite open anyway, but I know, like, we'll always do something in three, you know? Right. So I kind of practice just not even going for stuff fast, but just motions of playing in three, you know, and, and connecting ideas in three. Right. Um, or or in seven, like he's got a tune in seven and stuff like that. So, we, you know, we'll always play those things uh, within a certain degree in a similar way although it's pretty open like and sometimes steve will go like let's do this kind of reggae or let's do like you want to play this in three or four like we'll choose right. you know yeah um so um yeah so i'm not i'm not practicing specific 
licks or or yeah, gotcha. or, 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 or actual things. I suppose it's just frameworks in, in yeah. a way, you know. And and obviously, with your hand, it's maintenance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah look, the hands. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. But I dig, you know, I dig sitting at the drums and playing beats, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I like it. That's it. Yeah. That's how we. That's how we start off. Eh? Yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. What's the biggest challenge for you playing live? <laughs> um, don't say people. No, I wasn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have said people. What, who says okay. people? What? Oh, no, it's just, it seems like a, well, I've had that kind of answer before. People just say, oh, it's the people. One thing that makes or breaks, um, well, any any gig, live live or recording, is, is your mix, your sound, you know? Yeah. Um. And you know, if you if you, if it sounds good, it's easy to play. Like it's a lot easier to play when this, you know you're hearing everything and hearing yeah. everybody. You know. Yeah. Um. And so I'd, you know, getting a nice mix. I mean, I. Yeah. Gigs are. Um, I, I know. I'm these days. Like I, I find myself working harder for each gig. Rather than like you know, when I first started, like you join Margaret Elch's band and you'd learn the um, twenty songs or whatever, mm. and you're on the road for a year or six months or, or a year, and you know, but now you're learning twenty, thirty songs every weekend, right? You know, right? To get to get through a game, like to, you know, and that's the sort of thing. Like Leon won't. Leon has decided he's not going to do that. Like, he's happy to go in and read your show if you've got a book and like a properly written charts. You know, he he'll go and do that and he'll do it beautifully. Right. But he doesn't think he doesn't want to go home and it's, it's not homework. Yeah, it's, yeah. He's not going to do the homework for you that you should. Do. I think I think he's kind of got the right to do that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, and but you know, I mean, I like I came in on I I I was around when that was the case that you weren't yeah. expected to do homework. Like if if someone wanted you to learn tunes, they paid you for a rehearsal. Like now now you sort of, yeah, you right. sort of turning up and doing it without a rehearsal. You know. So, yeah. yeah. Are you finding yourselves? Uh, sorry, are you finding yourself getting asked to do, you know, rehearsals for gigs and not getting paid for the rehearsal? Um, Besides something that you're kind of invested in. Yeah, yeah. No, well, oh, there's oh, there's a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of that. I mean, it's it's, it's all different. I, f- I find, um, I mean, Hamish Stewart's, <laughs> Hamish has got a beautiful rave about, you know, he said, he said you know, I, I, I really like some people in the music business and I, I don't mind uh, hauling my drums up three flights of stairs to play some jazz every now and then, but uh, he said the hardest thing is telling people I can't do their gig, <laughs> you know, when, like, and that's that's what I find hard is, um, yeah. uh, y- you know, like like someone says, I've got a, a gig in April next year, right, like on a Saturday night, can you do it? And like, well, yeah, right now I can, but yeah, yeah. if a, if a month's worth of work comes in on a something, I'm going to find that really hard to blow out, for, to, to knock back for your one one gig, you know. So, yep. um, are you cool if if I and I'm not going to leave anyone high and dry, yeah, you know, a week out or two weeks out even, yep. but 
you know, if a tour comes in or something or, you know, or a chunk or a, or a session thing or, you know, just before I came I had to, um, I got this hell month coming up and yeah. um, on one of the days off there's a, I've got a rehearsal for, for another show um, and a session came in for that day um, and the session crosses over with this rehearsal and yep. it's like, oh, you know, I'd... It's a paid rehearsal, yeah, okay. but it's not paid as much as the session. You know? right, okay. and, I'd ra- and I'd rather be on the session, you know. Um, so I sort of, you know, kind of sent an email out to everyone and, and said, look, are you guys, I've just got to move two hours back. And like, would everyone be cool with that? And actually everyone got back to me and said, cool. <laughs> it was actually oh, great. fairly awesome. smooth. So, you know, like I said, look, i got this. So now you got an extra gig. Yeah, well, I got, I got, I got. It's a two, it's two call session. Super and, hell week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Fuck. Well, yeah. Oh man, I, I, yeah. Once this thing starts, like I, I don't get a day off for about thirty days or something. Like it's, oh, right. Yeah, really stupid. Like yeah. I've filled up the gaps. Like really dumb. But right. <laughs> you know. But, and, but you get to go home every day. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. oh no. Well, it's a couple of days. I'm going to um, James's school in Mount Gambier. You know, but oh right. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. But yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, you know. So, have there been any gigs that you've been offered that you had to turn down that you regret that you did? Yeah. Yep. I got called to to play with Barry Gibb for the Wave Aid concert, and I was with Morrison. Um, I had a clash, and just I was in like Esperance or is it in, I think it's like in inland Queensland somewhere like mm. not Esperance I can't remember what it's called Emerald Emerald in Queensland and James is great like he he's cool about he totally understands um, if you've get a bunch of work or something big or something you know he, yep. he's totally cool he was you know really good about that he tells a story about um Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. He tells this story about getting, <laughs> he was playing, had a gig in Papua New Guinea and he get a, he got a call direct from Quincy Jones saying, I'm doing this concert, I want you to be the soloist. It's, it's this date and he's got this gig in Papua New Guinea and he says, all right, let me get back to you. <laughs> and he, he, he talks to the people in Papua New Guinea and says, can I um, change the date? And they said, no. And he said, oh, can I um, come back, like change the date and come back and give you two concerts? And they said, no. <laughs> and he said, he offered them something else, uh, you know. And they said, they said, look, sorry, it's not that we're being difficult, but the way Papua New Guinea works is um, uh, everyone hears on the Bush Telegraph that something's happening. <laughs> he said, and if they come to town that night and you're not here, oh, shit. someone's going to get shot and killed. Like, like it's, you know. <laughs> and so James had to do the gig. He had to turn Quincy Jones down to play, you know, Papua New Guinea. Otherwise you know. someone will fucking die. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, you know, um, and he did. Um, but he always tells that story. And, and so, but, you know, and James is great to, to talk to. Him. And, so, and his, his vibe is, it's always, it's, it's cool to ask, um, if you can get out of a gig, yeah. But if someone doesn't let you, then you should honour that because they had you first, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it's always tricky because you know sometimes there's stuff you want to do. Anyway, James had said 
James would have let me off the gig, but they'd booked the flights to Emerald, you know. Right. And um, what, in hindsight, what I should have done <laughs> was um, just burnt the flights and paid for someone else to go, you yeah, know. Right, okay. Um, to, with, to play with James, someone that he'd be happy with, but, pay, you know, done it. But, but I, I didn't sort of think that quick or, you know. But then we were coming back from Emerald and Phil Stack was on bass and he'd been asked to do it as well, you know. This Wave Aid gig with... And, and we come back and it's all over the news. Wave Aid, Barry, Barry Gibb singing with Olivia Newton-John and the crowd's going mental. <laughs> like, oh. And there's like thousands, of, like, you know, like you know, 50,000 people <laughs> going people. mental. And that's the gig where, where we were going to be on. And like, oh. we're like, we're, we got a photo of us <laughs> with our arms around each other looking at it, Like, you know. Now I, I put a, um, a uh, question out to my millions of right. Instagram followers. <laughs> <laughs> um, do they have any questions for Gordy? Yeah, right. right. So now, um, Tim Firth. <laughs> right. How has the office influenced your playing <laughs> <laughs> and general outlook on life? Um, <laughs> see, I need to come up with a, a witty David Brent reference, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, Leave that one with me for a, for a minute. You yeah. Know. How's the office? I think now? that's probably the reaction he was after. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, well let's just say, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, Paul Derricott. Yeah. Yep. What's your favourite shuffle? <laughs> oh, I don't know. You mean as in, like, what song has my favourite shuffle or what's my favourite shuffle He just wrote favourite shuffle. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, it's like anything that feels good. I, I you know, I don't. Rate things one over another, I suppose. Yeah, right. Um, okay. I, I remember, you know, Picaro talks about um, uh, Rosanna and getting it from um, Home at Last and Babylon Sisters and mm. Fool in the Rain. Yeah. And being the Zeppelin guy, I remember when Rosanna came out. <laughs> that's how old I am. Um, I remember when it came out and hearing it and going. Oh, he's got that from Bonham, you know. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool, yeah. Man. I, you know. Yeah, because it was, you know, I, I could, you know, but yeah, you know, not not in a bad way, but like no, uh, no. that's <laughs> that's the <laughs> Bonham. Yeah. 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 It's the Bonham thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was, you know, I mean, they're pretty hard to go past the yeah. um, fool in the rain and yeah. Um. Lido shuffle's a good shuffle. Yeah. Um. Rosanna's a pretty. Well, good Well, that shuffle. was the first shuffle, wasn't it? <laughs> that's Lido. the first. Yeah. Shuffle. That was my first shuffle. Yeah. Um. I saw Paul the other day in a um, plane somewhere. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Joe Acaria, <laughs> are you free this Friday? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Paul has also asked, what's your approach to staying relaxed while playing so intensely? <laughs> well, I don't know that I am. I mean, I'm not relaxed like Davy Jones, you know. Yeah. He's proper relaxed. Um, uh I don't know. I, I do see most, you know, see things of myself playing, and it, it certainly looks more relaxed than I, th I am internally in my head. I, I oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah. Uh, what's my approach? I mean, I look. I think. I, I guess if you can cover, um, if I if I have fewer unknowns when I'm going into play, you know. And 
that's easier to do in pop music than improvised music. Um, so, like, you know, if I know an arrangement, if I know where it's going, um, I, I can relax knowing yep. I know what's coming up. Um, so I guess that's that, that might be part of it. It's a good um, answer, that, yeah. Right, right. Yep. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, in improvised music, um, you, you don't know what's going, going to happen, you know, and... That's the beauty of it too, but yeah, but um, I, I guess having enough, like having enough artillery or um, facility, facility, to, yeah, to be able to yep. com- accommodate, yeah, what's going to happen, yeah, you know, yeah, I, that's that's a hard one to answer, but yeah, I think I, I guess yeah, knowing as much as I can about the music beforehand is, yeah, that's, is that's helpful. Good. You know? That's good. Yeah. And one more from Paul. Yeah. Because um, those are my f- only three Instagram followers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nate Wood or Nate Smith? Um, oh, I, I like Nate Wood, you know. Oh, yeah. Nate Wood's yeah. beauty, yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, both great. Um, yeah, I mean, different thing. You know? Different thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, you know, I got to play with Nate Wood, which was... Did you really? Yeah. Right. Yeah. A- as, was, as a bass player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, no, he played guitar and sang. Uh, so he came out with um, this knee body with Nate Wood, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's cut that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just singing, God, have I got the wrong Nate? Because he's, um, he's one of the followers on the Is podcast. he really? No, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> don't think so. Right, you better clean this up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got to play with Nate Wood. Um, yeah. He, he, he came out with knee body, but he came out a week early and... Um, with Sean Whalen and um, and his wife play his wife played bass. He played guitar and sang, and Sean played keys and, and I played drums. Strangely, um, but um, <laughs> it was fantastic, man. He yeah. was he was very cool and and great songs, great guy, great musician, you know. And he, um, it was funny because he, he he sent me the stuff out. And I said, and I sent him, like I hadn't met him, I just sent him an email and I said, we're just all on email. And I said, how attached are you to these, to your parts on the record? You know, like, is it, is it open a bit or, you know? Yeah. And he wrote back and he said, he said, completely unattached. He said, you can do whatever you like, you know? And, and to the point where, when they, when they got here and we, we had a little run through in the afternoon, he said, um, you know, one guy just played it like a free thing, <laughs> you know, like, like and he, they just went with that, like they just go with whatever oh, right. people do, you know. And it was very cool, like, great. And the song stood up, you know, because yeah. it's, and so I just did my thing on it and it was cool and, you know, he, he was, it was great, you know, it was, it was, it was fantastic, yeah, fantastic vibe. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, you know, not to mention all the Melbourne cats too. Oh, of course. You know, Farooj. Yeah. Jerry Pantazas, Dave Beck, um, Johnny Corniola, Johnny Salerno. I love his playing, man. Oh, man. He, um, I'm just doing some stuff with Richard Clapton coming up, and I've been checking out Johnny. And man, the way that guy hits the drums is just just beautiful. Love it, you know. Yeah. And Fisso, there's Fisso. I'm Fisso's from Perth, but he's in Melbourne now. But, yep, yep. You know, I got a big list. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll get to them all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, all these guys have. 
I've, I've changed subjects again, but so all these cats have, you know, been a, had an impact and, and continue yep. to. And, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I'm pleased to have mentioned Mark Meyer because he's a, you know, I don't want, I want people to know about him. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Like, I love the guy, you know. Like, like you know, big had a big impact, you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll definitely look into him and. Yeah, man. Yep. That'd be cool. He's a class act, you know. Mm. I because the other thing with this pure gold gig, mm. sorry, I'm off course, man. Right. But uh, the other thing with the pure gold um, is it's a house band, and then but they intersperse it with um, self-contained bands. So Dragon sometimes do it. So yep. you know, often it's Pete and in the encores, I get Pete up to play, and we play double drums and all oh, that cool. stuff. It's, yeah, great fun. Um, and um, but Mark Meyer was on with. Um, Moving pictures one one time, so we got I got to play with Mark, which is nice. Um, but you know, I remember like watching him play "What About Me," you know, and there's there's the drums are only in in, in the middle of that, you know, for about yeah sixteen bars or whatever yeah. it is, or towards the end, you know. And I'm watching Mark, and all the way through, he's he's tapping time on his leg, like, and it's not like it's not subtle. He's He's yep. he's making he's generating time, not playing, but he's he's hitting his leg gotcha. with a stick, mm. and it's generating a pulse in the band. And I thought, you know, like, you know, yeah, and right. I thought, yeah, that's that's the thing that always got me. Like, I mean, you know, it's it's this lust for time, lust yeah, for, right. for for you know um, controlling time. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah. It's beautiful. Like, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, man. That's Mark cool. Meyer. I'll be checking him out. Yeah, he's a boss. Yeah. All right, Gordon Rittmeister. Right. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. Bloody man. pleasure having you here, man. Oh, you're a champion. Yeah, I love what you do, man. It's great. Thank I, you, you brother. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's a, it's a great thing. Cheers, Gordy. Thank you. Later, bro. See ya.